What was one of your best Christmas presents you've ever received? Is there one that you remember? Is there a story that you tell? Maybe one that sticks out to you? I have a couple of stories kind of like that, but there's one present that was really kind of a, a game changer for me. Kind of literally, it, as a kid, one of the presents I got was a brand new Nintendo like the first one, the original one, the NES. Anybody ever play kind of, you know, the, the first Nintendo? Now that one came with Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, two controllers and the gun that didn't work for Duck Hunt. Like that's what, that's what it came with. And Super Mario Brothers kind of like changed my world completely. It was incredible. I still know, I actually played with my son not that long ago, and I still know all these tricks. And he's like, what are you doing? How do you know this? And I was like, I know this better than I know some things that I should know, like people's names and stuff. Like, but I know this, and I know how to warp to, you know, war to level four and then to eight and all that stuff. I know how to do that. And it was epic. Like the music in it is epic. I bet you know some of the music to Super Mario Brothers. You know the, the underground level one? You know, no, 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 no. You know that one? No, 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 no. I love that. That's my jam. I love that. I mean, the, the water level didn't go quite as well. That's a do, 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 That one's like, meh. Okay. But the underground level, I love that. Like, that's, that's a lot of fun. Now, my brother Aaron and I, we would like take turns playing. And I remember, like finding out all of these things. There was no like internet to go to to figure this out. We would just like accidentally jump somewhere and be like, there's a mushroom there, you know, and we would just go crazy. We would hoop and we would holler and we got really, really excited every single time. Now we would sit way too close to the TV, you know, like, you know, old TVs, not like 72-inch TVs. You know, it was about this big, and we're trying to, like, figure out what's going on. I have some vivid memories of waiting my turn, maybe not so patiently to play, you know? Like, because the problem was the more we played, the better we got at Super Mario Brothers, right? And it would, like, take a long time for my turn to come back, and the waiting would eventually turn into arguing. I remember one time that, like, I took the controller and I did it like a lasso, and I hit him while he was playing with it so that it would mess him up, you know? It's kind of fun reminiscing about, you know, our favorite presents or Christmas pasts or whatever. Today, we're starting a Christmas series and we're calling it Retro Christmas. And it's this idea of remembering, you know, where, where we've kind of come from. So what do you remember from your Christmases in the past? You know, maybe, you know, you remember the Yuletide log on Netflix. Like, that's fun. I love that thing. You know, hot chocolate, maybe you have a favorite family dish, and then you only recently found out that no one else has this dish, and you're like, okay, so it's jello, and it's sour cream, and somehow it's a salad? Like, I don't understand. That's a real story from my Thanksgiving. Like, I'm like, you don't have this? Like, this is the best. We call it green stuff. There you go. You know, there are all sorts of things in our Christmases that are kind of nostalgic. You know, we tell the same stories. We make the same joke about how Aunt Judy, you know, puts too much, you know, tape on the present. And we all have favorites maybe during this period of time too. You know, favorite Christmas cookie, chocolate chip for me. Favorite Christmas carol. I actually really like Silent Night. Favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard, because, you know, that counts, right? 
What holiday traditions maybe do you always think about, you know, when you kind of think back to the past? There's nothing better than, you know, kind of, you know, that holiday, I call it holly jolly twinkle jingle, you know, kind of feeling. And whether it was 40 years ago, and you remember the feeling when the Atari came out, or 30 years ago when the Nintendo came out, I guess we could just go by decades and game systems, maybe, or the anticipation of next Christmas. There's something about this time of year, isn't it? There's just something about this time of year that makes us kind of seek after that peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And oftentimes, you know, around Christmas time, we're reminded about what we're waiting on, It's a season, Christmas, of anticipation about things maybe that have happened, but also about things that haven't happened, but we're looking forward to. Are you looking forward to anything? Are you waiting on anything this Christmas? You know, maybe some not so serious things. You know, you're waiting for the the cookies to get done, or, you know, you're waiting to watch Elf and you're really excited about it, or you're waiting for the present to arrive that you ordered on Amazon like five minutes ago. Is that like just me? Like I check and I'm like, yeah, it's still there. Of course it is. You know, Christmas has all sorts of these things that we anticipate, things that we look forward to. But also, and you're probably with me here, Christmas can also be a time of waiting on things that, that are kind of serious. You know, they, they, there are things that we are waiting on or maybe anticipating that we're not looking forward to. Maybe you're dreading the family gathering that you used to absolutely love. Or maybe you know the sorrow and the grief of the empty chair, you know, at your Christmas table, and you are doing everything you possibly can to avoid it. Or maybe you're waiting on something to be done or something, you know, to show up, and you're just so tired of waiting for it. Maybe it's like the family you hope for, or the situation you hope for, or the love that you hope for, or the memory you're hoping to make. See, there's so many things that are tied up in our expectations at Christmas, and sometimes we don't know if the waiting is ever going to end. Now, Christmas, kind of for better or worse, is a time of anticipation, and it's always been that way. I kind of find that interesting. Christmas has always been a time of anticipation. The first Christmas, you know, 2,000 or so years ago, was a time of anticipation. So for this series, kind of the retro Christmas series, we're going to look through the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament and what it has to say about the Christmas story in the New Testament. So the book of Isaiah was written 700 years before the first Christmas, before Jesus was born. So here's kind of the context to the book of Isaiah so that we can kind of jump into the middle of it. So the book of Isaiah was written during a time of political and social upheaval for the people of God. So during the time of Isaiah, this prophet, the kingdom of Israel to the north and then the kingdom of Judah to the south, they were split at the time. They were facing some threats, some sieges from powerful nations, primarily Assyria, who's a major empire at the time, even historically. And so the book of Isaiah really contains these warnings from Isaiah about, hey, This is what you need to do to follow God. And this is what's going to happen in the future. And it includes the prediction of a Messiah. 
Now, Messiah basically just means anointed leader or king. So who will come and restore people from Judah and from Israel to their homeland. Now, just as a side note, isn't it interesting that we're praying and anticipate some of the same things now that they were 700 years ago. We're still praying for Israel. The conflict has been going on in Israel for centuries. And we're still praying for God's will to be done. We're still praying for God to show up. And the people of Israel were waiting for a Messiah for 700 years. Now, 700 years is a long time to wait for anything. I don't like to wait like two minutes for the skip ad in YouTube, you know? Like, I'm like, skip, 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 skip. Like, we don't like to wait really at all, do we? So I was thinking, okay, what was 700 years ago? December 3rd, 1323. Any history buff know anything about 1323? I looked it up. Apparently nothing really happened in 1323. But to give a little context, 700 years ago is before the United States became a nation. That's 1776. Before Shakespeare was born, for all you nerds, that was 1564. Before Columbus came to America, 700 years they had been waiting for a Messiah. Generations had come and gone. So I was kind of thinking about that. What would it be like to be told, this is coming, this really exciting thing is going to happen, and it's been passed down by like great, 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 probably great grandparents. Centuries and centuries have gone by, waiting. What were they expecting? What were they waiting on? Well, the Messiah was supposed to restore people to their homeland, help rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, bring an era of peace and justice and hope, be the leader, be the king that God had sent from above. That sounds pretty good, right? That's a good thing to anticipate. Now, they assumed that this leader was going to be a military leader, you know, one that was strong enough to fight off neighboring nations, you know, would be on the horse and, you know, like have the spear and, you know, and really be able to do that, to bring back Israel as a favored nation. So we're going to pick up the story when the king of Judah is being pressured to have alliances with kingdoms that God has said you should not have alliances with. And he's being pressured to kind of run away from what God wants rather than be obedient to God. So God sent this prophet, Isaiah, to go talk to this king, Ahaz. And that's where we're going to prick up the story. So this is Isaiah 7, starting in verse 10. Later, the Lord sent this message through Isaiah to King Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation, Ahaz. Make it as difficult as you want, as high as heaven or as deep as the place of the dead. So Isaiah says, okay, ask God for a sign, and he's going to give it to you no matter what it is. Wouldn't you love that option? I would love that option. We're in this anticipation moment. You know, you're maybe waiting on something in your life to happen. You want something in the future, and you have this option. God, give me a sign no matter what it is, 
and he'll show up. That's what Isaiah is saying. God, I'm asking for a sign. I want to start a family. God, I'm asking for a sign. What job do I need to take? What school do I need to go to? Like, where do I need to seek after you? God, what financial decision do I need to make? God, where do I need to go? God, I'm asking for a sign. Parenting is tough. My marriage is tough. I'm looking for that special someone. I need a sign. And Ahaz responds. This is what he says. But the king refused, no. That's what he said. No, I'm good. I will not test the Lord like that. Now, two things. First, this doesn't feel very Christmassy, right? I understand. We'll get there. I got that. Second thing, why did he say no? Because at first you're like, oh, he's, not, he's trying not to test God. That's a good thing, right? Well, first I'd say if God offers you a sign, you should probably take the sign. Just saying But the second thing is, no, I think he's afraid of what God is going to do. He doesn't want to do what God wants him to do. He doesn't want to be obedient. He is running away from what God wants. And he's like, I don't care about the sign. I just want to get out of here. So this is how Isaiah responded. This is verse 13. Check this out. Then Isaiah said, okay, listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? So the next time you're in an argument with somebody and you're feeling impatient, say this. This is a mic drop. Like, isn't it enough to exhaust human? You know, like, I love it. I love this so much. So that's basically saying you're a fool. This, that's, what, that's what Isaiah is saying. God is offering a clear sign that he loves Ahaz. He's offering a clear sign that he will provide. He's offering a clear sign that he will guide. And King Ahaz says, nah, I'm good. And Isaiah says, you're exhausting, which is hilarious. But I can also imagine just the sorrow and the, and the hurt and the annoyance on Isaiah's face. But instead of saying, fine, I'll take my sign and I'll go home, which is what I would want to do, he says this. And these are amazing words. He says, all right, then the Lord himself will give you the sign. I love that. He's like, he's going to give it to you anyway. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Does that sound familiar at all? You know the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel? Have you ever heard that song? It's one of my least favorite Christmas songs. It's in a minor key and it sounds sad. You know that song? O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Like, until the Son of God appears. It's all about Isaiah. It's not about, like, Christmas. It's all about anticipation. It's haunting. It's anticipating what God is going to do. 700 years, this is said, before it happened, Isaiah said to the king, I know you're looking for a political solution to your problem." I know you're looking for a solution that seems really nice and doesn't get you out of your comfort zone and is easy, but God is with you. And here's the sign. Here's Emmanuel. And then in the Christmas story, you fast forward 700 years. This is what it says. This is Matthew 1, 23. See if this sounds familiar. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. It's quoting Isaiah. This verse is talking about Jesus. 
It's saying God is with us. God is with us right here and right now. And Isaiah talked about it 700 years before it happened. And then at just the right time, if you want to have some fun, just pay attention to how much, especially in like the New Testament, it talks about, and then just at the right time, and then just at the right time, and then this happened at just the right time. It's almost like there was a plan. So this verse is talking about Jesus, and we need him to show up in the flesh, in person, and God could have said, hey, get it together, humans. Follow me or else, and here's what we're going to do. But he didn't. He came in person because he loves us that much. See, Emmanuel is a sign of love. So check out how it's described in John 1.14. This is how it says, So the word, Jesus, became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory and glory of the Father's one and only Son. So the word is Jesus, he became human in the flesh, and he made his home among us. So his home among us might literally be translated to he dwelled with us, or he set up his tent. That's kind of literally the translation there. He, He came and he set up the tent. Isn't that cool? That's a cool image. See, turns out, I don't know, maybe you thought this, but like when I was growing up, I kind of thought that like Jesus came in on a sleigh, you know, and winter and it was white Christmas because that's kind of what we think about and what we sing about, you know, we, and we sing silent night and holy night. And maybe there was a moment of silence, but I mean, I've had newborns in the house. There probably wasn't that much silence going on. Right? And, and so this is a human being, God becoming a human being, coming down to dwell, to set up a tent. Jesus made his home among us. So he woke up one day and he's like camping on the lawn. It's that kind of imagery. We think about home a lot during the holidays. Have you ever noticed that? I was, uh, I was scrolling on Instagram the other day, and I came across a, a couple of things that, that said, you know, it was like a wreath and tinsel and lights, and it says, like, home is where the heart is. I'm not, still not 100% sure what that means, but there are songs even about, you know, being home at Christmas, right? Like, I'll be home for Christmas. You know, baby, it's cold outside. We don't talk about that one anymore. Jingle Bells kind of has that aspect. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. You know, like, we're just going to stay home because... The weather's bad, white Christmas, you know, all these feelings of home. So I was just kind of thinking about it. If, if Jesus came and called his home here, where do you call home? Is it a certain place? Is it a certain people? Is it a certain feeling? Now, have you ever noticed that when you've been gone from your house, you come back and it, and it smells like home? You ever notice that? Or when you're at somebody else's house and you come back and you smell, you know, your jacket and you're like, what is this? This is gross. Like, it doesn't smell like home. Or maybe you go back to your childhood home every year around the holidays. Maybe it's going to feel a little different this year. Or maybe you feel like home when you're around, you know, family and, and close friends or, or even like a family dog or something. Or, or maybe home is this feeling that you get sometimes. 
a feeling of, of safety or of security. Or perhaps when you go home, you feel nothing like any of that. Like where you live or where you come from is a place of chaos or pain, a place you don't feel safe. But either way, see, Jesus made his home among us. But did you catch what that means? Let's put John 1.14 back up. So the word kind of became human, made his home, set up his tent among us. And this is what it means. Because he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. He made his home, he set up his tent, and he comes with unfailing love. I can't even wrap my mind around that. Unfailing love for you. Emmanuel. God with us. But he doesn't come just for a quick holiday visit, you know, here today, gone tomorrow type of situation. He came and said, this is my home now. You are my home now. I'm here to stay. I'm parked on the lawn, you know, like Christmas vacation. And I'm putting the stakes in the ground. And if you move, I'm moving with you. God is with us. And this is kind of the theme. This is kind of the thought that I'm hopeful that the Ridge and my family and and myself will kind of keep focused on this Christmas season as we're anticipating all of these things, as we're participating in all of these things. This truth leads to a pretty amazing promise. So so here it is. This is kind of the, the, the theme for this season for me. God is with us and he will never leave us. Ever. This is why Christmas is so important. Christmas is the reminder that because God loves us so much, he decided to be right next to us through the ups and through the downs and through the goods and through the bads. And God himself, the creator of the universe, by the way, is with us and he's for us. He always has been and he always will be. And he's not going anywhere because he won't leave us. So from this prophecy of anticipation, 700 years before, it finally comes true. It finally happens. And it's not one of those things that you wait on at Christmas that it disappoints. You shook the package and you thought it was something cool and then it turns out to be socks. Like it's not one of those types of things. It's the best Christmas ever. It's more joyful than the best party. It's more hopeful than any other moment in history. God is with us. And he will never leave us. But why is it, why is it important? Like in the middle of that holly jolly twinkle jingle, in the middle of us pursuing the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, sometimes we get distracted and we forget because if you're keeping score at home, bad things still happen, don't they? So it's not just warm and fuzzy. It's not chestnuts roasting on an open fire type of thing, even though I don't even know how to do that. Bad things still happen. Pain still comes. Suffering is still here. Grief is with us, but so is God. God is with us, but so is my worry. Hurt is with us, and I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to navigate it. I don't want to pretend that it doesn't exist during the holiday season, and I just put on the Santa hat and, and act like everything is okay. But God being with us means he is 
here, right now, like in our presence right now. Maybe a better way to say that is in his presence right now. Jesus is with us. He chose to come down to live, to lead, not as they expected 700 years before, but as someone who will bring ultimate hope and love and peace through his sacrifice. Romans 8 kind of helps this unlock for me. I really, really love this section of the Bible. This is Romans 8, starting in verse 35. This isn't the typical section that we read, by the way. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? I've asked this question. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? or are persecuted, or are hungry, or are destitute, or are in danger, or are threatened with death? Have you ever asked that question? And as the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep, and it might feel more like this this Christmas than, you know, have a holly jolly Christmas for you. And pain, and persecution, and hunger, and calamity, and yes, death, they are still part of our existence, but there is an answer to this, and it is God is with us. Here's verse 37, the next verse. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. No matter where we are, no matter what we think, no matter what's going on in our lives, he's right there at just the right time, and he will never leave us And you want to know the best part? Want to know why this matters so much? Want to know why this sign, Emmanuel, is something that we talk about year after year after year? It's because God being with us, he chose to come down and be laid in a manger. And because of that manger, it leads to the cross. And because of that cross, it leads to an empty tomb. And he conquers death. And we have hope because of who he is and was. It's not a fairy tale. He's with us right now. And then in verse 38, this is what that means. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Emmanuel, Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I want you just to take a second and think about what you're anticipating this Christmas season. Do you have some parties? Do you have some obligations? Do you have some worries For God to be with us, for him to come down and love us right where we are, he is with you this Christmas. And maybe maybe you're waiting on a few things. Maybe you've been waiting and waiting and waiting for that diagnosis, or maybe it just came and it wasn't what you were hoping for. Or maybe you've been waiting and waiting and waiting for that pregnancy test to come back with a different result, and you just don't know. 
Or maybe you've waited for the promotion or, or waited for the conversation or waited for the reconciliation and all Christmas is doing is reminding you. What are you anticipating this Christmas? Because anything and everything you are waiting on, he's with you. Anything and everything you're hoping for, he's with you. And he is guiding you. And he is loving you. So when you're hurting, he's with you. He's your comforter. And when you're confused, he's with you. And he's your truth. And when you're afraid, he's with you. And he's your peace. And when you're sad, he's with you. He's your joy. And when you're angry, he's your justice. And when you're weak, he's your strength. And when you're questioning and doubting your faith, he's with you. He's your faithfulness. And when you're wrong, he's what's right. And when you're alone, you're actually not alone because God is with us. And he will never leave us because he loves us too much to go. That's what Christmas is really all about. See, God sent his son Jesus in the flesh to come and to make his home among us, but for a purpose, not just to come and help, which he will, and not just to come and guide, which he does, and we want those things, and not just to come and live, which he did, but to come God with us to die on the cross for our mistakes, for our sin, to give us a right relationship with God so that our home with him can be an eternal one when the tent becomes a mansion in heaven. That's the joy, that's the anticipation of that hope that Christmas really brings. It's not the holly jolly stuff, even though that's good, and even though we can celebrate in that. What a thing to remember that maybe during this Christmas season we can anticipate what they anticipated 700 years ago, which is a Messiah, a King, a Savior, who has already done the work at just the right time. Jesus will never leave us because he's Emmanuel, God with us. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that this is true. It is hard for me, though, to wrap my mind around, like, the creator of the universe, God, all-powerful, all-knowing, to love me, so much that he would sacrifice in that way. And, and God, we're just grateful for that. We're grateful for the reminder of Christmas and the, the story doesn't really end at the manger or in the nativity scene that we set up in our homes. It, it doesn't even end with the cross and it doesn't even end with an empty tomb. We know how it ends. It ends with you full of joy, full of hope, full of peace if we follow you. And so we are so grateful for the promise that was kept in Emmanuel, God, with us. And help us this Christmas season, no matter what we're anticipating or no matter what we're going through or no matter what we have over the next couple of weeks, good and bad, or worry or not, Help us remember that you are with us, that you provide for us, that we can celebrate, we can thank you for your love in the middle of all of these things because you love us that much. So we can't be separated from that love. Nothing we can do can separate us. Thank you for Jesus 
for Emmanuel. Thank you for being with us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.